I'd like to say good evening to everyone. And a blessed evening to be alive on this holy Sabbath day. My name is Thomas Jackson, my lovely wife for over 27 years, because she stand up there. My wife and I met when we were 17 years of age. And uh, we both, we originally from Chicago, <clears throat> there in the United States. And so the Lord has blessed us to be together. And as someone said, is my wife with me? And there's an expression, it's like American Express, you should not leave home without it. <laughs> so everywhere I go, she is my helpmeet, my partner. And it's very important when you're married to stick close together. Amen. I've been one place uh, for a period of time for one month. I've been to New Zealand, Australia several times, and they invited me there one time and for one month to do some meeting, and uh, they could not afford two of us, and I talked to my wife, and it's very rare that I would leave. So I did go for a month. It was a blessed trip, but I told them if they're going to bring me back, if they can afford me, they can afford my wife. And so I said I would not leave again like that unless the Lord audibly speaks to me. And so they did. So I thank God for a wife that is very supportive and of what we're involved in. We're going to, and I'm going to just give a brief introduction of who we are and what we do. But this weekend, we want to pray that the Lord would be with us. And um, we entitled this weekend seminar what we call God's Plan the lifestyle for the next millennium. And we have probably 50-some days, I don't know how many days, but we had a very interesting experience coming over here. Our plane was supposed to leave at 1.45 p.m. Wednesday, and we got to the airport on time and ready to get here. Our flight was to connect in Amsterdam about 9.30 and get here about 11. But as we were waiting, over the intercom, it says that no plane will come in, no plane will go out. All communications cut off. And uh, Brother Tom Bell here from Arkansas, I think he also experienced this. And someone in the, someone in the central, I guess, radar place was trying to test the, the new system for Y2K. And so they switched over to the new system, and it crashed. And they tried to switch back to the old system, and it crashed. And there we were in the airport. Radar system shut down. Plane in a holding pattern. <laughs> That's why I'm not uh, so frightened of Y2K. This is why that my last trip this year would be December the 19th. <laughs> I will not be flying unless God speak to me audibly on the 29th of December. But it's just indicative of maybe things to come. No plane could come in, no plane could take off. So we were four hours late, but we're glad to be here. In the book of Psalms, and I'd just like to briefly tell you how we got involved with this ministry. In the book of Psalms 107, in just four or five verses, my little brief testimony, I can spend this whole weekend testifying. I'm quite sure you do, too, because God has given you a testimony. But um, someone asked him at the table, how did we get involved with this work? 
But in Psalm 107, very quickly, uh, beginning at verse 17 to verse 21, I just like to just encapsulate in my experience. And verse 17, it says, Fool, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Now, the Bible says, Fool is number one in Psalms 14.1, is a person who says in his heart or her heart that there is no God. You read that before, Psalms 14.1. But in another place of scripture, which I think is very uh, applicable here to me, and maybe to the world, some people living in the world, in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Have you ever tried to help someone that know everything? <laughs> or someone said, well, I don't want to hear that. See, a fool could be one who do not want to follow or listen to instruction. And that's what I was. Uh, number one, I did believe in God, but I did not want to follow instruction. And the Bible says in verse 17, because of iniquity and transgression, they are afflicted. Now, what does transgression and iniquity mean? Those two words mean sin, right, sin, transgression the law of God, sin. Now, but there's a difference between transgression and iniquity. They both mean sin, breaking the law, but there is a slight difference between those two terms. Transgression. Case in point, let's take an example. If I had a, a bow and arrow and that was a target at the end of this room here, and I have the bow and the arrow, and, but I don't have the strength or the ability to hit the target. I aim, I shoot, but I miss the target, but I don't have the ability and strength to hit it. See, that's transgression. That's ignorance. Iniquity, I have the strength, the ability to hit the target, and I deliberately miss the target. That's iniquity. Iniquity, when you look at the word iniquity in the Bible, it's always associated with God's people. Known sin, just like in heaven, until iniquity was found in him. Transgression is sins of ignorance. Iniquity is sins of willfulness, willful disobedience. So you have two classes of people in this world today. You got those who are ignorant of God's will, and you got those who know God's will, but choose not to follow God's will. Do you believe that? So either way, you're afflicted. So because of my ignorance of certain principles in the word of God, I, were, I was afflicted. Certain things I knew, but I chose not to do it. And I was afflicted. I was afflicted with a condition called arthritis, as, my, as the sheet tell you. At the age of 17, I was diagnosed with arthritis. That's pretty young, would you say so? And I guess most people ask, because she's so tall, you must have played basketball. You know, because you're tall, you don't have to play basketball. <laughs> but it so happened that I did. <laughs> and so my physical ability enabled me to go on to college on a scholarship to pursue, yes, education, but I wanted to be the greatest basketball player that came out of Chicago, Illinois during my time. And Education was secondary because I grew up in a very poor home. And I said, well, the only way that I can make some money 
I can use this physical height of mine and to make some money. And you know how we like to love our mothers. Dads, we love them too, but we always talk about mother. You know, get her out of the condition, put her in a nice home, et cetera, et cetera. These were the dreams. And so I went on to school. I played exceptionally well under the circumstances. My condition got worse uh, to the point that I had to be on drugs and medication. And uh, the prescribed drugs no longer work. The steroids no longer work. So that led me to unprescribed drugs. And I will not dwell on that. But that was the only thing that enabled me to play. And when those drugs wore off, the pain came back. Uh, I had to take needles, ultrasound treatments, wrapped like a mummy. But I played exceptionally well under the influence. My team physician told me, he said, Thomas, well, they didn't call you Thomas, they called me Tom, that you're a very good basketball player, but you'll never be able to overcome this arthritic condition. And there's no known cause for it. It was during the Vietnam War. Some of you folks remember the Vietnam War. That's when I came up. And they were drafting young men. You had to, you, you couldn't volunteer. It was mandatory that you, in, that you would sign up and they would give you a number. And so my number, the number they were taking from one to 300. So I had two institutions looking for me. The NBA, Philadelphia 76ers, and the United States Army. They both wanted to draft me. Now you know which one that I wanted to go to. So it's obvious, not the US Army. And sorry to say that, yes, I, I love America, but I'm not that patriotic to go and shoot somebody or get killed. I was not a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home, not an Adventist home. I rejected God in college. I went to a college that began to teach me principles. I rejected it. But you know, the Bible says you raise up a child in the way that he should go and what? My mother did very good in instilling in me biblical principles. But yet money and fame and good time became my God. And so anyway, that my career trying to play sport was short circuit. The Army called me in, and um, I tried everything to get out of it, but nothing worked. And I had doctor statements describing my condition. They re-examined me, and they gave me the highest. Now, you're from England. No one, I don't know if any people here from America men, but anyway, in America, they would, well, uh, Tom was in the Air Force, Tom. So anyway, they gave me the, the US Army. Tom was in the Air Force. But they gave me the highest rejection that the Army can give you at that time, Tom. It was what they call 4F. That means if a foreign country invaded America and they need to impact their army with civilians, they wouldn't look at me. I couldn't last a week in boot camp. That's how bad my condition was. And so that ended my Army career and therefore my short stay uh, basketball. Verse 18, their soul abhorred all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. I was not ready to die, but therefore depression, etc., etc., took over. And I worked with many people that draw near to the gates of death. I, for these 23 years, I worked with a lot of people with AIDS and cancer that draw near to the gates of death, and God has pulled them from the gates of death. 
And so I cried out, and the Bible says in verse 19, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Even when we mess up, even when we go contrary, if we recognize our condition and turn to the Lord and just cry out to him, Lord, have mercy on me, God is always reaching out to us. God does not stop loving his people. He hates sin, but he does not stop loving us. He can't do for us because we won't cooperate with him. And I'm skipping a lot because circumstances took place, 10 years battle, battle so therefore the only thing I can do is to cry out in a very small way. And then in verse 20, it says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. 23 years ago, I began to study the Bible. And we're going to, through this weekend, you'll see my philosophy and what I believe as far as this health message. What I'm going to share with you, what my wife is going to share with you, God revealed this to us in his word. Not because I'm better, smarter, probably out here in this audience, people more intelligent than I am. It's simply that I was looking for answers. I was looking for truth. Deuteronomy 29, 29 said the secret things belongs to who? To God and to his children who he will reveal. If you're a child of God, he will share his secrets with you. Ten-year battle with arthritis. Doctors did not know the cause, but gave me medication for something that they didn't understand. That baffled me. How can you give me a drug for something you don't understand? This weekend, we're going to share from this book that can be scientifically validated. And for my 20 years of clinical experience, proven that God's word is true. So for 10 years battle, Lord revealed to me the cause of arthritis and the remedy for arthritis. I stand here at the age of 51, be 52 in another month. No signs of arthritis. I have broken bones that I have, fingers. Just like this weather, Laura, if I had arthritis, I'd tell you, I'd be in bad shape. <laughs> with, with the ions, you know, it changes. I used to predict the weather, but I lost my weatherman job. These fingers, you know, I have calcium. This finger is a little deformed, but anytime you get breakage, calcium sets in. One nurse came up to me years ago. She said, well, your arthritis must be in remission. You know, they never like to admit <laughs> that God's plan is the best. I said, well, that's all right. It's been in remission for 23 years. <laughs> you, you know, you can say what you want. And so God revealed to me his plan. And so I told my lovely wife that, God has shown me what I need to do. And she said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to change. i got to do some changes. And I'm not going to go into the details tonight on the changes, but I said, would you join me? And we were on vacation in another state. She said, well, I'll think about it. <laughs> so she thought about it for two years. <laughs> so, Tom, I had to cook my own food. <laughs> Literally cook my own food. 
my wife is a lovely cook, but I could no longer eat my cook's food. <laughs> my stress level got under control because I gave my heart to the Lord. I was not chasing rainbows anymore. Are you following what I'm saying? Slept better. and you know, a whole gamut of things. Within six months, I began to get out of the bed without squeaking, <laughs> without feeling discomfort. And my condition within a year, no more signs of the condition. But the blessed thing that happened to me was not so much that I was freed from the arthritis. This last verse, verse 21, Psalms 107. Something else took place that really was exciting to me. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. Many people misunderstand that word praise. They think praise is just jumping and dancing around the church and patting their feet. God said your life should be a life of praise. He'll give you a testimony. Your life. God said he inhabit the praises of his people. My mind began to get clearer. For 27 years, I abused my body. And when you use chemicals, and we're going to talk about the brain in one of the minutes, meetings. When you use chemicals, you destroy brain cells that are irreparable. You can't regain those. But you know, when a man turned or his, a woman turned their heart to the Lord, supernaturally, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God creates new pathways in those synopsis that he can communicate his love to you. God gave me my memory back. And I read myself deeply into the arms of Jesus. And I don't know who's in the audience, but two years later, I became a seven-day Adventist. And I gave my life, house, wife, children to God. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to work for another man except, and I'm not even going to work for you because you said we are co-laborers. And you'll be part of the firm. Good benefits. Retirement out of this world. <laughs> Assurance. I'm serious. So for 23 years, my wife and I started with my wife and my son. God put on our heart to start helping people, taking people into our homes. And from that little start, God entrusted us with a ministry, 75 acres of land, 30 and 45 acres of land in western part of Tennessee. And we just wanted to have a small little part. We did not expect our little ministry. You probably heard of other big ministry, but our little ministry has went around the world. Started up with three people. Now we have a staff of 12 full-time people working with us in our ministry. It is called Meat Ministry. It's not M-E-A-T. And that stands for Missionary Education and Evangelistic Training. And so God put on my heart, and my background as a teacher, but to train men and women. And so in that, we do have a health center called Our Home, where people come to our center, whether they're sick or just want a prevention or sickness. We work with people from a common cold to AIDS to cancer. They come there in a live-in program. You heard of places like Yuji Pine, Wildwood, et cetera. We have a very home-like, 
But we deal with certain diseases that other centers would not deal with. You will not find centers like our call would deal with AIDS, but we will deal with AIDS. We have a training school that we train gospel medical missionary, three months to 10 months. And involved with that, we have a farm because we believe if you're going to be in the country, you need to grow your food and prepare for the crisis. Do you agree with that? Okay, shop in the grocery store when the crisis hit. And so we also, with the ministry, we have a small desktop publishing ministry that we put these books together. We have some of these, you'll see. This is our, well, God gave us this. You heard a new start. We call it God's plan. You'll see that in a moment. This is a user, usually friendly book, God's plan for taking the itis out of arthritis. This is a program we use in our clinic. This program also, this book here gives you a little bit of my little story with my little dog picture in there. Um, another book here, God's Plan, dealing with the silent killer, blood pressure, heart disease. Now, even though you see the same format, but we, we're going to see this weekend, we take these eight laws of health and apply them specifically to these major disease conditions. You understand what I'm saying? Very easy to follow. The other book, which majority of people come to our center, have this, God's Plan, The Answer to Cancer. And uh, this will just come off the press. We have several of them. This is dealing with uh, winning the battle of the bulge, dealing with weight problems. This is another one here. Uh, in the back, it gives you a list of um, books. We have manuscript, but it gives you a list of books that is coming out. Disarming diabetes, hormone problems, osteoporosis, every disease that confronts mankind, we have a program for. We'll find out this weekend, every disease that we are faced with is found in the Bible. And God has a solution for it. And, if, and it's his business to heal. Now, no man heal. I'm not here to bring you anything about healing. I cannot heal. I cannot add one cubit to my height. I don't think I want to grow right now until earth made new. Are you following what I'm saying? God is in the healing business. And he healed for his glory. But nevertheless, he needs our cooperation. And so this is just briefly what we do. Uh, this weekend, if you want a brochure, we did bring a brochure on our ministry and on our health center free. If you'd like to be on our newsletter, a mailing list, even though you're in England, and I'm sorry I didn't bring one of our newsletters. It's a free newsletter. Come out bi-monthly. Uh, you can be on that. And I have some free catalogs that if, just in case you want some of our material that we have. Roy. As he was bringing me here, I was trying to figure out, how did I get to England? I've been wanting to come to England, but Gaisley. Never heard of Gaisley. Never heard of it. But I was on my way to England, some other place. But someone called me. I guess Laura, some folks called me. And I think then I was talking to Roy, and he said he heard us on the shortwave program, radio program. Am I right, Brother Roy? And uh, I guess he shared information. And uh, I thank God for that. So anybody interested, even though the shortwave radio is no longer operating, 
But we put our shortwave tapes together. It's 24 tapes. Some of the things I'm going to cover this weekend, not 24 of them, sessions. But we do have these. If you heard, anybody heard the shortwave radio program except for Roy? Okay, another person. So anyway, those radio tapes, they are one hour, and there are 24 one-hour tapes. And they're on some of the meetings that I will be presenting this evening. So enough said about us. Time is of essence, so we want to get into this afternoon meeting, God's plan, the lifestyle for the next millennium. You have a handout. This evening, we're going to look at a subject, and then Sabbath, there'll be several. My wife would also be presenting one of the meetings on Sabbath, and then also she will be presenting another one on Sunday. So if you have one of these handouts, it will somewhat tell you what we're going to be talking about. And uh, so let me bore you for a moment with some uh, statistics. This is America, but uh, I also like to share with you some things here in England. Now, in America, you notice that heart disease and cancer is the number two killer. But when I found out here in the in, in, in United Kingdom that heart disease and cancer, the death of, from those two is similar almost to America. Uh, I had a list of different cancers that people were suffering with here in the United Kingdom. Uh, we're talking about, it says here, can cancer is a major public health problem in England. It would afflict one out of three before the age of 75. Over a quarter million new cases are diagnosed every year. How many people you have in the United Kingdom? 50 million? 60 million? 60 million. So one quarter of a million every year. And if you're not having a lot of babies by another 40 years, you'd be in trouble. Would you say so? It says here, the financial cost of diagnosis, treatment, and long-term care and support is immense. The emotional cost is incalculable. That means just the emotion. It said the money, just to even diagnose, costs a lot of money. <laughs> Cancer, heart disease. We find in America, prostate cancer is increasing. You know, before I got into this work, never knew what prostate was all about. Only affect men. But among cancers, before I go back to go to prostate, we find that, you know, breast cancer is the highest. And then you have ovarian. Then you have lung cancer is higher among men in England than in women. And everywhere I turn, people smoking anyway. <laughs> Here in England, the airport, everywhere. I was telling Tom, you know, in, in America, they have certain places you smoke. You don't smoke all through the airport. Even you can, you know, uh, they don't let you smoke in some of the restaurants in the American airport. They have a little room that people go in, glass room that they smoke. I call it the gas chamber. <laughs> Everybody go into that little room, and, and you can close the door, and they smoking. And just, in, you know, to me, it's just not common sense. 
But we find, even smoking here, it says here 29% of the men here in New England smoke, 27%. Alcohol consumption, 29% of men uh, age 16 and over estimate an average of over 21 units of alcohol a week. 14% women drink, and they drink 14 units a week. Smoking and drinking. Very interesting here in New England. I mean, in the uh, United Kingdom. Uh, prostate is the second leading cause of cancer among men in the United Kingdom. 13,000 new cases every year. And it says here it is increasing 10 to 15% every five years in New England. And I just have so much data here on the statistics. I won't even read all the information here. But it's interesting for me, I like to gather facts and statistics to show that there's a similarity through developed countries. I go to Germany. The fact is that cancer and heart disease are the same in Austria, in Switzerland, in New Zealand, in Australia. But when you go to Papua New Guinea, places like that, undeveloped country, infectious diseases. In places like Papua New Guinea, uh, 15 years ago, cancer was not even known until our neighboring friends, the New Zealands and the Australians, started sending a certain food over there. Lamb flaps. Lamb. You know what a lamb, right? And lamb flaps. You ever heard of lamb flaps? Can you imagine what that is? It is the fat of the stomach. Pure fat. But my friends in New Zealand and Australia, they do not make it a, a dish often. They make soap out of it. But they send it to our friends in New, into Papua New Guinea. And now they are contending with not only malaria, diphtheria, uh, uh, diarrhea, pneumonia, but now cancer and heart disease is increasing. And so we find in undeveloped country they don't suffer with these diseases unless the developed countries, the Western man, bring their lifestyle to these people, you see. And so we find in America one death every 20 seconds from heart disease and cancer. We find there's a lot of deaths here from heart disease and cancer. When I was in Tasmania, which is part of the uh, country of uh, Australia, there was a gentleman that came up to me after the, after the program, and he said to me he was an owner of a funeral home. Seventy percent of the people that he put into the ground die of heart disease and cancer. And he said, if you can prevent these two conditions, you can put me out of business. Every 20 seconds. If you calculate that, that's something like 4,300 funerals every 20 seconds. That's a lot of people. Would you say so? A lot of folks. Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 17. Why shouldest thou die before what? I don't know about you, but I would like to be translated. What about you? Anybody know what I mean by translate? I mean, those who are Christians have the privilege to see Jesus coming without seeing death. Isn't that something to look forward to? You see, if I'm shooting for that. In case I don't make it, at least I come up in the first resurrection. At the same time, it is not so much the quantity of life, but it's the quality of life. You know, I have a friend, he was my mentor. I think he's probably about 80 years of age. Been in medical missionary work close to 60 years. I met him about 22 years ago. And when I met him 22 years ago, he still looked the same today. It's a bricklayer. Still got some vital force. The Hunza 
110, 120. Because we get old, we don't have to rust away. God has a health plan that we might benefit from it, that we might do him service. To be healthy for the sake of being healthy is not God's idea. It's only for one purpose we'll see this. I tell people in America that they spend the first 40 years of their lives spending their health to gain wealth. Then the next 40 years of their lives doing what? Spending their wealth to regain their health. That's what they do. They try. So let's learn how to postpone our funeral. Antibiotics. Losing. Don't work anymore. When I was in Papua New Guinea, I toured the hospitals, even one hospital up in the northern part, uh, asked us to come and show them how we work with cancer cases. Seen babies, spinal meningitis, and the only thing they was feeding through the tube was this insure. Infectious diseases, penicillin, does not even have effect <laughs> upon the problem. And by the <laughs> way, you know, when you take... Um, um, antibiotics and uh, for uh, colds because antibiotics do not work against virus anyways. So that's ludicrous. And so the end of miracle drugs TB was under control in America but now it has peaked its ugly head. It's reappearing. Why? Because when people get tuberculosis they put you in the hospital they bombard you with drugs in central heat, central air which holds bacteria, and they used to put you outdoors in the sunlight and fresh air. The end of antibiotics. Science thought it had van vanquished infectious disease, but now the bugs are fighting back. There's two reasons why the bugs are winning the war. Number one, we eat antibiotics. And secondly, we've been over antibiotic. Now, what, you mean, what do I mean by we eat antibiotics? Through the flesh foods. The flesh food. We find that by impacting the animal kingdom with antibiotics, man take in the flesh food, thus taking in the antibiotics, compromising his immune system. But they would never tell you that, but that is one of the reasons why antibiotics do not work. Sunday I will share with you how to make a natural antibiotic, which we call nature's penicillin. This is under God's pharmacy. Now, if you look at when it says God's pharmacy, notice how it's spelled. Hmm? I have uh, our social director mother, she was at our health center, she's a teacher. And when she saw this spelling in our uh, newsletter, she called her son. And she said, and he was not there, but talked to the wife. She said, Tell my son that he's going to have to recall all of those newsletters. And she said, Mom, why? Because he misspelled pharmacy. We spell pharmacy with an F rather than a PH. Do you get that? <laughs> so she didn't recognize the fact that it was purposely misspelled that way. So we're going to be talking about that. So antibiotics does not work. Proverbs 22.3. Can you read that? What does that say? What does it say? Somebody want to read that for me. A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the 
the simple pass on and are punished. Now, if we can translate that into some contemporary language, uh, what do you think that means? A prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself. But the simple pass on and punish. What do you think that means? Huh? Take precaution. Very good. Mm -hmm. Very good. Anyone else? A man doesn't walk into a brothel. He doesn't walk. <laughs> he, he, he stay away. Right? Okay. And the way we can translate this, prevention is what? It is easy to, it's best to prevent sickness than to try to cure it. Is that right? You know, you know, people say you don't have to experience something negative to know that it's bad. So prevention is the best. But unfortunately, many of us have bypassed that. So that's what a prudent man. I want to be a prudent man. And so what we want to learn, not that these things are new to you, but maybe help to reinforce and to motivate us to, you know, to be more faithful in what God has given us. Now, this weekend, the question, did you bring your medical book? Do you have your medical book with you this evening? I'm quite sure because tonight is Friday, which is preparation day, so you should have your medical books. Do you have it? Huh? All right. Now, why do we call it that? The greatest medical book ever written. Do you believe that? Amen. Now, in Psalms 103, we got to establish this. Very important. To me, it is. I used to be a teacher. One of the reasons that I didn't want to teach within the system, because I did not, once I learned what God is all about, I could not teach evolution. I don't care what they say. Psalms 100 verse 3 tells us. Let's read this together. It's very important. Let's read this together. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. It's very important. It is he that has what? made us. Now, we're talking about health. This is very important. I don't want to sound condemning or negative uh, about education, whether it's medical, whether it's theological, but man is not smarter than God. And all good gifts come from God. And man is very limited in what he knows. So we must establish this evening that God made us. You agree with that? Okay, very good. So, since he made us, then he has given us what we call an owner's manual. The owner's manual to me is the Bible. This, this machinery was made by Philip. And therefore, Philip produced an owner's manual that I received to tell me what? How to operate and maintain it. Philip did not go to Ford Motor Company to have them develop an owner's manual. Why not? Why not go, why not Philip, this electronic projector company, go to Ford Motor Company and ask them to develop an owner's manual? Because the Ford Motor Company didn't have any no, didn't Because they didn't make it, right, uh, Brother Humphrey? So the only one who knows or who made the equipment, who produced the equipment, knows more about the equipment. You agree with that? 
So since we already agree that God made us, then he has produced the owner's manual. Therefore, he knows more about this human body than anybody. Would you agree with that? So the Bible is the owner's manual. The Bible says in Psalms 119.73, Thy hands have fashioned me and made me. Give me understanding, and I shall keep thy commandments. And so God has given us an owner's manual. And in that owner's manual, he has given us some commandments. Now, I believe not only the Ten Commandments, but I believe he's given us physical laws. And we encapsulate those physical laws as God's plan. Now, I don't know what has taken place, but I don't want to put anybody on the spot here. They might have to get this to you later on. But I sent some information over here to be duplicated. And if it's not, but it might be ready. But later on, you will get a copy. I guess I sent this. You will get a copy of this. And you're going to see a chart. And there's a chart. And it has the eight laws of health. So don't try to write those laws down. Because I won't keep them on the slide too long. But you will get some information, basic program called God's plan. But you can write the scriptures. Therefore, you notice we call it God's plan. And notice that these laws, hmm, these laws are found in the book of Genesis. These laws did not start with Weimar and with anybody else. They've been in existence before you and I was born. So these eight laws, there's nothing new. They are original. They were part of the plan in the Garden of Eden. Are you with me? Are you with me out there now? All right then. So therefore, so we call it God's plan, godly trust, open air, daily exercise, sunshine, plenty of rest, lots of water, always temperate nutrition. And many people say, well, I heard about those, and I try to do those things. But my friend, we're going to see a whole different angle on this. There's nothing outside of these principles that we can find that's going to help us. It's though trying to add to the Ten Commandments or take away. You can't do it. And so we find then, as we, the human body is patent. Now, there's people in here that works with mechanical things. Now, what do we mean by being patent? It tells you here, what is a patent? It says, an official paper conferring a right, privilege, etc., one issued by a government guaranteed an inventor and his heirs exclusive rights over invention process. Now, we must establish again, God invented, manufactured, produced this physical specimen called the human body. All right? Okay. So, now, here in the book of Isaiah 43.1, it says, But now, thus says the Lord, that created thee. We established that, the Bible. Whether you believe that or not, it's still true. O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by name. Thou art mine. This body belongs to God. Are you with me? But we entrust it to man. We go to man and say, well, will you fix this up before we talk to God? Ten-year battle with arthritis. Man said you cannot get well. And I respect the man because he spent 8, 10, 12 years, hundreds of thousand dollars getting his M.D., I said, all right. And so I assumed that he knew everything, but he didn't. When you get to the point that your degrees 
qualify you to know everything, you're in trouble. The word of God is authority. Your degrees only give you a little bit of knowledge that should help you <laughs> to deal with the authority in the word of God. Because I have some degrees too. See, I have a BA, I have an MD, and I have a PhD. And I, when you leave here, you tell that person that came from America, he was well qualified because he had a BA. He was born again. And he had an MD made in a divine image. And he had a PhD. He just praised him daily. All right? Now you know who you're talking to, okay? Very educated man. All right. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. God formed man. The Bible said he planted what? The ear. Does God know more about memories or ear problems than man? I believe so. My grandson, our grandson, my daughter had purpose to raise him up according to God's plan. He's five years of age, never been to a doctor. And my daughter finally had to put him in daycare, which to me, again, I don't want to step on nobody's toes, but it's just like put him into a little sick gas chamber. All kinds of problems happening, sickness in daycare. I used to run daycares, preschools, and et cetera. But he ended up with a very serious ear condition. And she did have to just get a diagnosis. And the doctor said, the prognosis, that he must be operated on in a tube put into his ear. But my daughter got on the phone. She called us. She said, Dad, Patrick got the, this ear problem. The doctor said he needed a tube. And I know that you know what to do. Now, she's in Chicago. We're in Tennessee. I'm going to bring him to you all. <laughs> so our little grandson. One week, no more problem. No tubes in the ear. God knows more about the ear. I'm just saying that, you know, we got to try God first. That's all I'm saying. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you <laughs> what I do first. Because God knows more about the ear. He that formed the eye shall he not see. Now, I'm not... Sheer claiming anything. I was talking to some folks at the table. Dear lady from Canada. Nurse. Early 40s. Three years ago, met her. At a meeting like this, providentially. But prior to that, she had been diagnosed with macular degeneration. Legally blind. Driver's license was taken. Couldn't work as a nurse. Intelligent woman. Plus, her son, at the age of 12, was having 40 asthmatic attacks almost a year. Husband overweight.
dear lady from Canada, nurse, early 40s, three years ago, met her at a meeting like this, providentially. But prior to that, she had been diagnosed with macular degeneration, legally blind. Driver's license was taken, couldn't work as a nurse, intelligent woman. Plus, her son, at the age of 12, was having 40 asthmatic attacks almost a year. Husband overweight. She came to a meeting like this, not because they wanted to, because they knew everything, but where they were going, cancel out. So they said, well, we ain't got no other place to go. Let us go to the meeting. <laughs> so they came to the weekend meeting. I can see her now. She was sitting to my right. Just, just, just one night, she went home under conviction of this plan. Christian, Christian, cleaned out her kitchen cabinet. There was nothing else to eat there. She stood in the middle of the floor crying to the Lord. She said, Lord, I know this is your plan, but I cannot cook, and there's nothing here to eat, and I know you're going to show me how to cook. Then she asked me, she said, Brother Jackson, she said, my grandmother has this macular de 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 degeneration, this deterioration of the retina, and her grandmother had, had it. And she said, I know that nothing can be done to give my sight, but I just want to practice this because I want to give God's glory and anything else that I can do just stop the degeneration process. I said, well, you have nothing to, to lose but your blindness, <laughs> so let's try it. But anyway, six months later, she began, now she could not see but the shadows of her face. Lord, can you imagine not able to see your son's face, your husband's face? Six months later, she started seeing a little images, but she didn't want to say anything because she thought it was a passing of the moment. And one day, her husband kind of picked up on it that she was seeing. And he said, are you seeing? She said, well, yes. Well, how long have you been seeing? Well, for a little while now. So why do you say something? She said, well, I didn't want to say anything because, you know, things come, it goes. She went back to the doctor that diagnosed her for years ago. And the doctor in Canada said, no, you're not seeing. You can't see. She said, doc, I see. He said, no passing in the moment. She went and took the written driving, driver's test. She passed that. She took the driver's test, and she passed that. I ended back six months in Canada. Lorna was seeing. Someone heard about this. We have it documented now. I was putting it on video. A doctor in California, a Christian ophthalmologist, has been doing research on this. And she was amazed of this. She said, well, if you fly Lorna out here, I will cover all the expenses of examining her. I'll get the best retinologist, and we want to check all of this out. And so, we, so Lorna was able to fly out to California, took the video cameras, you know, doing a documentation. In one eye of Lorna, when she was diagnosed with this condition, it was 200 over 40, 400. 200 over 400, pretty rough. The other eye was 70 over 200. But when she went through the program, she, the eye from 200 over 400 went to 2020. The other one went to 2070. Dr. Sally Magrin, Magrin, ophthalmologist, California. And then on the video, you can see when they also done the retinology, you know, they had to shoot dye into your arm, and then you can see all the arteries. But Lorna eye structure was a structure of an 85-year-old woman. You understand what I'm saying? The structure of the eye was 85-year-old, but now she has perfect vision. That's been three years ago. 
God knows more about the eyes than doctors. And we tried to get the records, and the doctors in Canada continued to fight. Have we forgotten our creator of the rock that begat thee? Thou art mindful and hast forgotten the God that formed thee. Have you ever tried to, we got some builders here. Uh, Jack is a builder, and Brother Humphrey, and this brother here works on computers. Have you tried to put something together without reading the instruction? Many a time. Now, you might be better at it, Jack, than me, but, you know, I, only the hardest thing, I, well, now I do a little more harder things. But before I became a Christian, I just used a pencil and dribble a basketball. But uh, anybody ever try to put things together without reading instructions? Anybody else outside of these men? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, what is the reason why you don't want to read instructions? Huh? You want to do it your own? You're lazy because you don't. You don't want to take time. Yes. It's too, you know, the fine print, you got all this. In. Man, I can put the red wire and a white wire together. I don't need no instruction to tell me to do that. I don't have time. The print too small. And I'm not an electrician, Jack, but, I, you know, we built a little house, and I tried to do some things like that, and fuse blew. <laughs> and, you know, the Bible says here, when all else fail, do what? <laughs> we need to read the instructions. We tried everything, and it comes to our health also. We didn't try man's way, but God want to take us back to the owner's manual. Is that all right? We need to go back, and that's what we want to learn. You'll get a, you get a chart looking like this. God's plan. This is kind of a bad chart, but anyway, God's plan produced good blood, to produce good health, and a sound body to have a sound mind to produce character. So the end results of God's plan is character. We're going to see that. God is not in the business of producing healthy sinners. Okay? And so, so what we want to do this evening, we want to share some basic, as we try to close this out. There's a text that says, Wisdom is better than the weapons of war, but one sinner destroys much good. God's plan is designed to educate. Man's plan is designed to medicate. So this weekend we want to learn how to take care of these bodies. We find then there's a statement that was written by a doctor former Surgeon General of the United States no prescription is more valued than knowledge. Do you agree with that? The knowledge of the truth shall set you free. In this week all is asked of you by God is that God's plan is a decided change. I bring no herbs, no plants, <laughs> even though I teach herbal medicine, but it requires a change, just like in our moral life. It requires a decision. And so we want to provide information. So in these closing moments, let me give you a fundamental principle, some principles, because this is going to help us in this week. In The creator's masterpiece, the sale and the life, this is very fundamental in understanding how to prevent sickness and how to overcome sickness. It's so fundamental that any, everybody in here knows what I'm getting ready to present. But yet, within the medical society, they understand this, but they do not apply it correctly in prevention and correcting sickness. I've had doctors and nurses sit in, sit in their audience, and they've seen this presentation. They say it's basic, but once they understand that they study physiology from the different perspective that I'm going to share this evening. 
And the book of Job, chapter 10, verse 8 through 11, Thy hands have made me and fashioned me around about. Yet thou dost destroy me. Remember, I beseech thee, that thou hast made me as the clay. Now remember that. God made us as what? Now, it's very obvious to you and I that we come from clay. Keep that in mind. And will thou bring me into what? So dust and clay. So we come from the dirt. You and I, we're nothing but dirt. (laughs) Do you agree with that? But we think we're somebody. (laughs) But we're nothing but dirt. But God took dirt and exalted that dirt. That's very important to understand that. Even he's going to exalt that dirt higher than angels. Has thou not poured me out as milk and curled me like cheese? Now listen to this. Thou, taking this dirt, has clothed me with what? And flesh and has fenced me with bones and sinews. So that sounds like some anatomy. Do you think so? A little physiology. So God has put this body together. Very important to understand. In Psalms 139, verse 14 through 16, something that you're very familiar with, the Bible says, I will praise thee, for I am what? Fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, it's very important to understand the human body is one of the most magnificent piece of created work. It has endured 6,000 years. And those of us basically have been committing suicide by installment. That means we are constantly destroying ourselves. But the body has endured for 6,000 years. You know, God made Adam 20 times with the vital force at creation than we have today. Vital force is electrical energy. Now, if you can imagine the first man even take his height, about how tall do you think Adam was? A little over 12. A little little more than 12. Maybe about 14 or 15 feet. Now, when Jesus came on the scene, in the nature of Adam after fall, he was an average height, maybe about 6 feet. So we're talking about maybe 15 feet tall. Now, when we think about the weight, Brother Humphrey, you know, we might weigh 100, some 100. We're talking about 1,000 pounds, you know, 1,000 pounds. Now, Adam, 20 times the vital force. We talk about, Brother Tom, electrical energy. The whole body is filled with electrical energy. Now, some people in here have a brain, but if you can just compute the electrical energy that Adam had, then compared to the time that Christ came on the scene, you'll see a great digression. You see, Christ it waited for almost 4,000 years before he came on this scene. So he was in a very physically degenerate way. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, here we are 2,000 years down the line. Huh? Look at us. We just feeble and weak. 20 times. You see, if Adam had not the 20 times the vital force of creation, we would be extinct today. You don't believe that? We wouldn't be living today because we've destroyed our body. Look at the pollution in the air, even the ozone, the water we drink, the foods in America, over 6,000 chemicals, etc. I don't know what it is here, but the very ozone at creation <laughs> was a breath of heaven. And we find Fearfully and wonderful made, marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. Now, I have this word substance in red. My substance, because we're going to come back to that word. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest part of the earth. So God said, 
my substance was not hid from him. Very important to understand that. Now listen to what it says. Thy, thy eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in thy book all my members were written in which written which in continuance were fashioned when as yet there was none of them members like the bible said that the tongue is an unruly member one body but many members and so we talk about parts we're talking about that which makes up the human body and the bible says here that god saw that before it was do you understand what I'm saying? We'll see this in a moment. That we are made from this substance. And we'll see here, this substance then, the Bible says, I'm also formed out of the what? The clay. For dust thou art, and into dust thou shalt what? So remember this dust. So the Bible tells me that this substance is derived from dust. Is that all right? Because dust... And substance, we find then, is matter. Matter is the material that we are made out of. Is that logical? Anybody follow me now? And I don't want to be medically incorrect here. But since God made us, it was not a big bang theory. We didn't come from a soup hole. God took dust in the very elements that he spake into that dust. And we think about molecules and atoms. Then we think about the minerals. And so we're talking about elements. Man was made from the dust, made from the elements that God put there. God didn't just take dirt and spit on it and shape the man. God composited man, a physical organism, a biochemical organism made out of the elements of the ground. Trace elements. There's probably 200-some different trace elements in the earth. And there are probably over 70 or more of them compatible to the human blood. And so you and I made up these elements. And just for basic education, such as calcium. Take calcium. You and I made up which is the most important element. Now, tell me what happens when we are lacking calcium. Bones. What else? Teeth. Those grinders. <laughs> What else? Fingernails. Very what? Heart attacks. Very good. Now you go on. Do you know there are over 140 different symptoms as a result of a calcium deficiency? That's just calcium. Ladies, those who are still having their monthly cycle, 10 days before your monthly cycle, your calcium level drops. Hmm? And just think, if you're not putting calcium in your bank account, then you're going to have cramps. And God did not promise you cramps. As a result of disobedience, the only thing he promised you was child labor and pain. So calcium is a problem. He didn't promise you hot flashes neither. Because, you know, when your estrogen level drops, estrogen also works with the metabolism of calcium. And if you're not exercising, because 99% of the calcium is in the long bone. And when you don't exercise, you cannot strengthen your calcium. So postmenopausal women are going to have osteoporosis. And they tell you, got milk? Drink milk? When it's causing a problem. 
because it's high in phosphorus. And that neutralized the calcium, high in protein. So it's not a milk problem. You, it's not milk you need. It's the fact is that you need some walking and you need to, we'll see later on when my wife talk about the diet. So calcium, as he said, the heart. We're talking about also circulation. We're talking about brain, phosphorus, uh, magnesium, muscle cramps, potassium. When the potassium is low, high blood pressure is there. And potassium, with, I was just sharing with some folks at the table, we just uh, dealt with a case, uh, renal failure, kidney failure, dialysis. Anybody know what dialysis is? You know, you have to go hook on the machine. There's two ways of doing this. Either you, you know, people go to the hospital three or four days, then you have what you call peritoneal. So we had a young lady, young lady at our clinic. She gives her own self dialysis. And as I mentioned at the table, six exchange a day. Now, that might not impact your mind, but when you think about dialysis, that you've got to hook yourself up to the machine six times a day, clean your blood. Hmm? Now, she's, she had a kidney transplant. They left her two kidneys in there, which supposed to have atrophy, died, and put another kidney in front, but the body rejected that. Now, they tell her that she need another kidney transplant. transplant. Her husband is willing to give her a kidney, but she don't want to go through the changes. So anyway, she called us a month ago and came to, you know, anyway, the Lord blessed her to come to our center. And the kidney that's in there, the doctor said, there's no life in it. It's not doing anything. And said, watch the potassium. Anybody, anybody, you know, a few nurses or anybody medical know, they said, watch the potassium, you know, and you only can drink so much fluid. But in God's diet, it's high in potassium. And we work with people with cancer. Cancer cells cannot live where the potassium is high. Did you know that? Because you're not. Chemotherapy don't produce potassium. Radiation doesn't produce potassium. That's why all of God's children, Israelite, had a fig tree. Figs are high in potassium. Potassium. We are made of these elements. And therefore, we gave her, we even, we fasted her, we cleansed her out, put her on God's plan. That woman started urinating. Did you hear what I'm saying? I don't know if anybody, a nurse, anybody, they, you got to understand this. You know, when the kidney is dead and you start urinating, you start voiding, that is good news. Kidney transplant. Kidney never worked. She started getting a couple of cc's of urine, a little blood in the urine. Most people said, blood in the urine? Huh, that was good news to us. Are you following what I'm saying? Potassium. Zinc. Zinc. Hmm. Good for the immune system. Reproductive. Men, prostate. When there's prostate problem, that little gland there, that's part of your reproductive system, produce that semen, when you got a prostate problem, you got a zinc problem. Zinc good for your nails, good for your hair. Zinc is necessary for the metabolism of folic acid. Even watching certain TV programs, if you do that, that stress you out, affects your zinc supply. Even stress on the highway affects your zinc supply. These are just elements. So therefore... Basically, we move it on. 
Therefore, you and I are created from these elements. You take all these elements that man is made of, all the, 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 the uh, metal, the nickels, and et cetera, and which boil it down, it'd probably be worth, in America, a nickel. <laughs> the metal probably worth five cents. But Jesus died on the cross for that nickel, you see. But these elements are important. So keep that in mind. You and I are made from the dust of the ground. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, know how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Does anybody know how the bones grow in a mother's womb? Anybody? You know anybody that knows? When you find that person, you'll get my address, write to me, tell me, and if you find that person, I will quit this work. But man knows everything, but he cannot explain how bones grow in a woman's womb. And the Bible says, even so thou knowest not the works of God who make it all. So this is very basic to us. When does life begin? Moment of conception. See, it's basic. Now, here's a precious text that you're familiar with. Before I formed thee in the belly. That's in the book of Jeremiah. God said, I knew thee. He was talking to Jeremiah, but when he was talking to Jeremiah, he was talking about you and I. You and I. Do you believe, and I know you believe, before I even ask this question, do you believe that God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb? Yeah. Amen. Do you believe then you are here not by chance? Yeah. Do you believe then that it was ordained by God that you would be here? Yeah. All right, then. I believe that. You see, and, and that strong yes back there, I like that strong yes, very affirmative. You see, I'm the eighth child. I'm the youngest out of eight children. Four boys, four girls. And the next one to me is 12 years older than I am. So that means that's a big gap. That means mom was ready to close shop. <laughs> that's an expression in America. <laughs> she about ready to quit the reproductive business. You know what I'm saying? But I believe that God raises up in every family, and I didn't know that I, in every family, someone that will intercede for that family. Do you believe that? Now, the reason I say that, because I'm the only one in my family that serves the Lord, basically. And I did not come out serving the Lord. I came out, you know, when I discovered that I could play basketball, that's what I want to do. But God, I thank God for arthritis. I, don't, I didn't glory in the pain, but arthritis was the means that God got me to, to come to his side. Praise the Lord. Amen. That's what I say. I thank God for that. And as a result of that, God has used me and my wife in the same way to reach our family. You know, prophet is not recognizing their own family, but God has... Now, what has happened is not through the gospel, per se, because we tried that. It's through this health message. Our family is beating down the door, and now they are opening up for Bible studies. It's through this health message. So I believe that God had a plan for me in eternity because I'm one out of 300 million. See, I'm very important, and so are you. Not because who you are, because who God is. Now, why am I important? Because... It takes 300 million sperms to produce life. Did you hear what I'm saying? When a man and his wife come together to 
procreate. That man, if you're going to produce life, going to release over 300 million sperms into that woman's canal. 300 million. Now, if you can take a trip into that canal and where you see that egg, it is hostile in that environment. Can you imagine 300 million microscopic little organisms, you know, trying to fight their way against gravity to claim the prize? And when the Bible declares that the race is not to the swiftest, nor to the mightiest, but to the one that endureth. And out of the 300 million sperm, only one sperm penetrate the egg. And that had Thomas Jackson's name on it. Did you get that? Hello. You don't believe that? Jeremiah 1.5 tells me that. And even in my foolishness, going away from God, God had a plan for me, and he got my attention. Therefore, everybody in here has been ordained by God. And it's for you to know that God has a plan for you. And the, one of the most dangerous places to be today is in the mother's womb, abortion. Because the devil's plan is to abort God's plan. Are you with me? And so I find that you and I are not here by chance. And so therefore, life began with conception, as we know, cell division, one cell, two cells, until there's an embryonic network, until there's a fetus. God said, I saw your substance. Therefore, the cell, you and I are made up of 100 trillion cells. So you and I are assemblage of cells. This is very basic anatomy and physiology, but it's very important. So you and I are made up of 100 trillion cells. We find then, he that is faithful in that which is least will be faithful also in much. I want to apply this principle physiologically. Since you and I are made up of this one little cell, the cell is the smallest unit of human life. Do you agree with that? And God said, if you are faithful with that which is least, you will be faithful with much. So we learn how to take care of this one little cell. Then everything about the body will be taken care of. Why? Because it says that healthy cells equal what? A healthy body. You and I are as healthy as our cells that God put together. And so we find then, how much less than them that dwell in houses of clay? Do we dwell in houses of clay? Sure. Our foundation is in the dust. So these are houses of clay. Listen what the book of uh, Psalms 11.3. I'm applying this spiritual principle physiologically. We know what it means uh, spiritually, but let's apply it physiologically. If the foundation be destroyed, what can the righteous do? The foundation of the human body, the cells. We find the cells make tissue. We find tissue make organs. Organs make system, and the body is comprised of systems. Are you following me? So the foundation of the body is cells. Cells talk about tissue. We talk about the cells of the nervous system. Uh, we talk about the mucous membrane lining. We talk about organs. We talk about the heart. Are you following me? System, the digestive system, the skeletal system, uh, the nervous system. Are you with me? So the human body is made of a system, which is made up of organs. The organs made up of tissues, which is made up of cells. So if the body going to be healthy, if you have digestive problem in, in your digestive system, your stomach is paining, your mucous membrane lining is sick, and so it goes back to your cells. So we trace everything back to the cells. So when I deal with cancer, when I deal with AIDS, as we're going to see this week, I go all the way back to the foundation. 
is the same way with sin. Are you following what I'm saying? You got to understand the principles of the Bible definitely lay the foundation for physical health. And they don't contradict one another. I don't care how smart men are, how many books they write, but if I don't see the principle in the Bible, I don't touch it. I begin to read the Bible before. You come to my house, you see shelves of books, and I read the books. But the way God started me off, before he put any man's book on health, he put this in my hand. Then from that, someone gave me a book that was inspired, and God used a little old lady to write it, which I didn't know who she was, didn't care. I just read it. <clears throat> and outside of the other books, it was Ministry of Healing. It was not even an Adventist. But when I read that book, it was profound. Then I read a statement later on about that book. It says, in that book, it contains the wisdom of God. And all I'm doing is sharing with you is what I read here in that book. All I'm doing is reflecting the thoughts of God. Not because I'm smart. I'm just dumb enough to believe everything I read in the Bible. Are you following me? And so don't become amazed with the man. Come amazed with the fact you can learn the same thing. Man has enshrouded the health message like the gospel in mystery. We're almost down. So the body is made up of systems. So if cancer hit, we're going to trace it to the system, to the organs, to the tissue, to the cells. If diabetes hit, we're going to trace it to the system, to the organs, to the tissue, to the cells. Are you following what I'm saying? Arthritis, same case. It's so simple. People walk out and say, man, diabetes there's never been a case of diabetes type 2, type 2 we'll talk about, and we even type 1 that we have worked with that has not come off of insulin. Got a case there now. My associate mother, she was only going to be there seven days. Insulin. She had to, she, doctor said, you know, you got to take it. She'd been there 18 days, no insulin. I have a sister, praise God for this health message. When I first got into this thing 20 years ago, I shared with my sister. At that time, she was a borderline diabetic. And she loved me. She respected me. But creatures are habits. Then 22 years down the line, because my sister had been diagnosed with diabetic, diabetes for 30 years. And when in the, final, uh, 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 the final diagnosis, they had put her on uh, insulin. She was on 100 units of insulin, 70, 30 and I don't know if anybody in here had a medical, but anyway, she was on 100 units of insulin. That's a lot. And 570 mil milligrams of glucophage. That's a lot. Shooting every day. Seven meals a day. Over 100 pounds, 100 pounds overweight. Walking on a crutch. Come to our clinic. And when we put on a program... One morning, she got up kind of frightened. She'd been on the program for about a few days. Her sugar, you know, your sugar used to be around 100, 115. Normal. Her sugar used to go up to 500. But when she got on the program, her sugar went down to 50. That's a crisis. So we said, what's going on here? But come to our discovery, my sister, by being on God's plan, was still shooting insulin. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? She didn't need insulin. No one told her, you don't need it. Are you following what I'm saying? She didn't need it. She couldn't, she couldn't walk from this wall to that wall when she came. And when I say, I tell the therapist, I say, you know, get my, you know, she, she, she used to, she raised me. So therefore, she used to take care of me, but now she's on my, my territory. So now I have opportunity to tell, to, to tell her what to do. But now she started walking a mile. She was eating seven meals a day, and now she only eat two. We're going to, when we talk about diabetes, it's not the fact that the endocrine system, the organs, the pancreas, and we're dealing with the, the outlets of Langerham, but the cells are the problem with diabetes. Is the cell receptor sites are clogged up. She produced insulin. The pancreas is working, <laughs> but it's not getting into the cells because the cells are clogged up. So we reverse that. We get rid of the unclogged cells and our body can receive it. You follow what I'm saying? Because of the fat and all kinds of diet and not exercise. And so when we get those cells receptor sites functioning, then she don't only need insulin. Now, you might be in the medical field. Why don't they do that? They tell you you're going to be on insulin for the rest of your life. Now remember, man is not wiser than God. All right, let's take this on home here. These are five needs of the cell. This is what you, I want you to take with you. These are five needs of the cells as we continue this week. Remember, we are made up of 100 trillion cells. Every cell has five needs. Number one, oxygen. Every cell in the body needs oxygen. Without oxygen, the cells will die within three minutes. Cells. If there's not enough oxygen at a cellular level, you cannot even thoroughly digest your food. You cannot think clearly. You ever had the feeling when you eat a meal you want to go to sleep? Because now the blood has decreased from the brain to the digestive system because it has depleted, the, I mean, it has decreased the, the oxygen flow in your brain. Your brain and my brain uses 20 to 25 percent of oxygen in the blood. And if there's not enough oxygen, you cannot think clearly. You cannot make even good decisions. We find that you and I have something like um, 60,000 miles of blood vessels. That's 90,000 kilometers of blood vessels. Arteries, capillaries. And if you put those blood vessels and arteries and capillaries in a straight line, and if anybody been down to Australia, I've been uh, below the equator, it would go around the equator two and a half times, the blood vessels. And our red blood cells travel through those miles of blood vessel at a rate of 43 and a half miles an hour. That's 70 kilometers an hour. That's pretty fast. They carry precious cargo called oxygen. Your lungs and I, my lungs and your, my lungs and your lungs contain over 300 million air sacs. Over 30 quarts of carbon dioxide expelled every minute. Breathing properly. If I ask you how, do anybody know how to breathe properly, maybe everybody raise their hand. Anybody know how to breathe properly here? You say, well, I'm breathing, aren't I? Yes, you are. But you don't look alive. <laughs> Let me ask this. I won't do it. Let me ask this. 
Say, I'm going to take a deep breath. Is this the correct way of breathing? Now watch my hand. Now when I inhale, which direction my stomach is moving? Go in. Is that a good way to breathe? No. So everybody say, how many say no? Can I see your hand? How many say no? It is right. Can I see your hand? How many don't care? <laughs> how many don't? I, I just kidding. How many don't know? Okay. Now, one of the things is that if you watch your baby on his back or lay on your back, lie on your back, and not, and not even conscious of what you're doing, and you inhale, you'll watch automatically your stomach will go out. How many here is a professional singer? Anybody sing? If you, if you know how to sing... You, you sing from the diaphragm, even speak from the diaphragm. So the proper way of breathing, inhale, stomach goes out. Exhale, it goes in. When we do this, we shadow breathing, and we're not getting a, fair, a good exchange of oxygen for carbon dioxide. And the blood, the heart pumps that blood through those 60,000 miles to the heart, to the lungs, to get some air, good oxygen, to carry the precious cargo to every cell. But here we breathe like this. <laughs> and the reason that we don't breathe properly is because of poor posture. Huh? We stand wrong, we sit wrong, and we wear tight things around our waist. It's important to breathe properly. Do you know that? Even when we teach people oxygen cocktail. You ever heard of that? Oxygen cocktail. I'm not talking about drinking now, Tom. So, <laughs> so I'm not going there. But anyway, oxygen cocktail. We teach people to take deep breathing exercise. Breathe through your nostril. Your stomach goes out. You hold it to count maybe 20. Then you let it out slowly. And repeat it 10 times. It makes your head light. That's why we call it oxygen cocktail. But even that will lower your blood pressure. That would aid digestion. That's just deep breathing. Is that cheap? I believe so. Let's move on. So we're going to find out that cancer cells cannot live in the presence of oxygen at a cellular level. Cancer cells are what we call anaerobic. They exist where there's little oxygen. So if we can create, increase the oxygen through exercise, through other means, then we have a chance of putting those cancer cells on the run. Oxygen. That's why exercise is important. Second, every cell in the body needs water. Without water, they will die in three days. Your brain and my brain is 80% water. The body is 70% water. Digestion, elimination, assimilation, your heart, your blood plasma, 90% water, your digestive juices. We're talking about a water environment. Every chemical reaction of, at a cellular level takes place through a water medium. Hmm. Anybody wash their car in orange juice? <laughs> what about peppermint tea? Milk? Now, you wouldn't even think about that. You said, that's ludicrous. You wouldn't even think about washing your car with milk, with orange juice, maybe too expensive, maybe it messed up the paint job. 
But you see, God gave us two important organs back here with a lifetime warranty. This woman that was at our, it's at our clinic, dialysis, she did not like water. If you and I did not have any kidneys, we would have to drink 800 glasses of water a day. Aren't you glad some of us only drink eight? <laughs> and so therefore, we find that the kidneys is an amazing recycling center. And water is definitely essential for life. And when you are thirsty, when you, if you drink because you are thirsty, your body is already in a crisis. You almost lost a percent, one percent of your fluid, in, uh, your water. You lose water through respiration, through inspiration, <laughs> through defecation, through urination. And we find then that water, if we lack in water, the body would take water from several places to compensate. The first place it would take water from is the blood. If you do not drink enough water, it would take water from the blood. What happens to the blood when the, the body takes water? Young men. That's right. When young people speak and he speak, I know you understand. <laughs> I like that. It's get thick. Now, when it get thick, that's going to affect your blood pressure. I work with people that had high blood pressure or even low blood pressure and just began to put them on ward in this plan, and they got off of medication, basically. Following the plan, overall plan, water. Then the next place that it would take water from, like Ezekiel said, dry bones. It would take water from your bones. You take a survey of people with arthritis who are not health conscious. And I remember I was in uh, New Zealand. I took a survey. It was a packed room. I said, how many people in here have arthritis? Two-thirds of the people have arthritis. Then I went around the room and I said, how much water do you drink? The average one didn't drink but two glasses of water a day because water lubricates the joints. A lack of water definitely will cause dry bones. It affects the liver. How many ever work with people that have mental depression and mental illness? Cerebrum dehydration. It takes water from the brain. Hmm? Water. Let's move on. We'll try to finish this up. My wife will talk more about this. The cells need nutrients. Without, cell, without proper nutrients. Now remember, you and I were made from the dust of the ground, from elements, living elements. Now I want you to listen to this. Life cannot be sustained on dead things. Did you hear what I'm saying? You cannot sustain life by living on dead things. Anything that have a face that you eat is dead. I'm going to let that soak in because I don't think you heard that. Anything that has a face cannot produce life. Now, I'm not going to even explain that, and I know I see blank looks all around, but you keep coming. You'll, you'll, you'll get it in a moment. Some of you all got it already, right? You'll get it in a moment. And so anything that you got to shoot Hit it side the head and cut has a face. You can take a carrot and cut the top of that carrot and put it in water. It will sprout. Take a fish and cut his head off and put it in water. It will stink. <laughs> That's a reality. God made us from living, viable, organic elements. And therefore, nutrients... The way we choose the food, how we put it together, 
will determine the integrity of ourselves. Do you believe that? And we find. Now, let me ask you a question here. A central, a central, essential food. Let me ask this question because we got two more before we quit. Is there such thing as essential food or essential elements? Or, or central, huh? Essential food or essential nutrients? What about essential foods? That's very important. Now, let me give you a case in point. Protein is essential. Would you say so? So the food carries the nutrients. Now, society said that the only way you can get protein that you must eat something with a face. Are anybody picking me up? Who has not picked me up yet? Who's not with me yet? Anybody understand when I say with a face? Therefore, they said the only way you can get protein, you must eat that food that has a face. And for those, animal, right? Because animal carry protein. They said it is essential. We know it's not essential. Because God has put in what? Fruits, I mean vegetables and grains and nuts, protein. Are you following what I'm saying? And so they get this essential food thing. You must eat milk, drink milk. You must eat flesh to get the essential nutrients. And that is not scientific valid. It's essential nutrients. Are you following what I'm saying? And the food, as you say, carry those nutrients. Let's move on. Number four, cell elimination. The cell breathe. The cell must have water. The cell must have these nutrients. And through what we call metabolism, breaking down, the cells end up with waste. Are you found waste? And they must get rid of that waste. If that waste is not eliminated from the cell, there's a condition called auto-intoxication. That means self-poison. So that cells become polluted with waste, creates an environment for disease to breathe on. Are you following what I'm saying? So it must be eliminated. And they will die in a matter of hours. 